0: This is the Macmillan Library Podcast, a community conversation maker, bringing you curated conversations with Macmillan librarians, community members, authors, musicians, artists, and more. Welcome to episode two of Biblionost. I am Colin McGinnis, a librarian here at Macmillan.
1: I'm Jenny Bonneman, the young adult librarian here at Macmillan.
0: And we're going to go through some young adult and adult books and read some reviews and give some of our opinions on some books that you may want to consider reading in the next month. Uh, What do you have for us to start out today, Jenny?
1: Sure. Um, So I'm going to talk about a few books today, obviously, like you said. Um, I have a few that I've read I have one that I've just started, and I have one that is on my list to read that I would just like to share with everybody, because I think others might be interested in it as well. Um, but I can go ahead and get started. I'm going to start with a classic, A Wrinkle in Time. Mm, yeah. So have you read A Wrinkle in Time, like when you I
0: listened up? to... No, not while well growing up, okay. actually. I listened to it probably in, in 2010.
1: Okay. So like 8 years ago? Yeah. Right? Yes.
0: So I don't remember much of it.
1: Okay. I remember yeah.
0: something about folding space and Yeah. I don't know.
1: Time and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I had I had never read it growing up, but I know a lot of people read it like, you know, as a middle school student or a high school student. So, I read it for the first time this year and with the movie coming out too, so you know, I am i haven't seen it yet. I'm going to see it on Sunday. So I'm kind of excited about that. Um, but as people know, it's a um, science fiction slash fantasy and maybe more science fiction than fantasy. Sometimes those really kind of like intertwine a lot. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I listened to the audiobook, which was narrated by Madeline Langle. Did you say you listened to the audiobook too? Yes. Yes. Okay. What did you think of the audio book? Do you remember? I don't I mean, know if I had
0: the same ago. narrator or okay. not.
1: Maybe it was different. But
0: I thought it was awesome. Okay. When I listened to it.
1: Good, good. Yeah, I actually thought she did a pretty good job. Sometimes you never know when the author reads their own book. Yeah. Sometimes it's like a, a good recording. and um, But I thought she did a really good job. Uh, so I just have a brief summary um, from Goodreads. And this is for all of you who have maybe not read it, like myself and didn't completely know what it was about. It was a dark and stormy night. Meg Murray, her small brother Charles Wallace and her mother had come down to the kitchen for a midnight snack when they were upset by the arrival of a most disturbing stranger who was Mrs. Whatsit. "Wild nights are my glory," the unearthly stranger told them. "I just got caught in a downdraft and blown off course. Let me be on my way." Speaking of way, by the way, there is such a thing as a tesseract, um, which was the scientific concept that um, Meg's dad was working on. Um, Meg's father had been experimenting with his this fifth dimension of time travel when he mysteriously disappeared. Now, the time has come for Meg, her friend Calvin, and Charles Wallace to rescue him. But can they outwit the forces of evil when they encounter, um, they will encounter on their heart stopping journey through space? So, um, and I'll kind of go through more of the details of the book, but I generally don't read science fiction either. So, every time I read a science fiction book, it's always kind of interesting and kind of fun for me. So they go on this amazing journey through time and space. But before they go, they also meet Mrs. Who and Mrs. Witch, all supernatural beings who help to transport them through the universe. They learn that the universe is under attack from this evil being called the Black Thing. And the Earth is partially covered by this darkness. They eventually make it to this planet called um, Kamazots, which has been completely taken over by the Black Thing, and their father is being held prisoner on this planet. The planet is controlled by an evil disembodied brain called It. I always think of, like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, (laughs) the brain. Yes, yes. Um, which can telepathically take over your mind so they have to figure out how to test her to travel through the fifth dimension to save Charles Wallace whose mind has also been taken under control by it and they also need to save Meg's father um, so if you're if you like science fiction and fantasy um, and if you're looking to read an enjoyable classic and especially listening to the audiobook um, I would recommend this and maybe read it before you go see the movie. If you like doing that, it's always kind of fun to compare Um, from from the trailers, because I know like Oprah's in the movie and Zach Galifianakis is in the movie, too, and I'm not really sure who he plays. Um, It looks interesting. Like it isn't exactly how I imagined it. And I know um, Mrs. Who, Mrs. Which and Mrs. What's It? Like one of them is described as a witch, and I feel like in the movie they really presented them differently. So I'm kind of intrigued to see um, what the movie will be like. And I did a little research on Madeline Langle, and while I was looking up some information about her, um, her biography said that her works usually reflect both her Christian faith and her strong interest in science. And that kind of made me think of, um, C.S. Lewis and like the Chronicles of Narnia, because I know he had a lot of that as well. Um, so that was kind of an interesting fact about her. And I know the last, um, podcast, we also mentioned the Chronicles of Narnia. So I feel like there should be a goal. Every podcast, we have to like reference Chronicles of Narnia somehow. (laughs) I have
0: been meaning to listen to them again. Yes. Yes. Chronicles of Narnia and the Space Trilogy.
1: Yeah. Nice. And you know, I haven't actually read any of those either.
0: So that would be Mm -hmm. something um,
1: to catch up on. So that's a wrinkle in time.
0: Yeah. And you're mentioning the, I remember Charles Wallace's name from the audiobook and the Tesseract. I read actually like scientific lectures from the 1900s about Tesseracts and fifth dimension. Really? Undergrad. Oh my gosh. Reading that book.
1: That's really interesting. Like, what class was that in?
0: Oh, that was just for fun.
1: Just for fun. Just
0: reading for just reading about light, Tesseracts for some fun. Some light
1: reading, <laughs> sounds awesome.
0: <laughs> so it was great to see it or yeah. hear it in the book. Yeah, as well,
1: very interesting. That's cool.
0: For my first recommendation, a book that came out last autumn by Colin Malloy of the Decemberists. He's in a band.
1: Nice. Uh, which I am
0: shortly going to see in Milwaukee, actually.
1: Oh, that's exciting. When are they going to be in Milwaukee?
0: Uh, This Sunday.
1: Oh, that's pretty soon. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. <laughs> you should bring your book. Have them autograph it. <laughs>
0: uh, it might be, might be a tough might task be a there. Okay. Uh, but this is a middle grade novel. He wrote a children's series called The Wildwood Chronicles, which is also very good. They're, I guess, in characters... They're children's and middle grade books, like mm-hmm. this is about teens, mm-hmm. but the writing is excellent and the vocabulary is still really hard for okay. anybody, even the children's books. I have to look up words.
1: Do you think, is it geared towards children or is the, are the characters children? Because I know sometimes like adult fiction is written towards adults, but the characters, like the main characters will be children.
0: Mm, yeah. It's still written for kids. Okay. But it's nice. I don't know. It's a it's um expansive enough for anyone to mm-hmm. enjoy it, but it's mm-hmm. not really written for adults. Okay. Per se.
1: Right. Yes. It's okay. like
0: the Chronicles of Narnia, if they were beefed up with a more intense vocabulary and longer books. Right. But right. still the same kind of themes and right. characters okay. are throughout. Let me read a little snippet of what it's about, uh, from the creators of the New York Times bestselling Wildwood Chronicles comes an original humorous and fast paced middle grade novel about a band of child pickpockets. Imagine the invention of Hugo Cabaret. Is that how you spell that or say yeah.
1: that? Yeah. Cabaret mm-hmm. uh,
0: meets Oliver Twist. It's an yes. ordinary Tuesday morning in April when bored, lonely Charlie Fisher witnesses something incredible. Right before his eyes, in a busy square in Marseille, a group of pickpockets pulls off an amazing robbery. As the young bandits appear to melt into the crowd, Charlie realizes with a start that he himself was one of their marks. Yet Charlie is less alarmed than intrigued. This is the most thrilling thing that's happened to him since he, became, since he came to France with his father, an American diplomat. So instead of reporting the thieves, Charlie defends one of their cannons, Amir, to the police. Under one condition, he teaches Charlie the tricks of the trade. What starts off as a lesson on pinches, kicks, and chumps soon turns into an invitation for Charlie to join the secret world of the Mob, an international band of child thieves who trained at the mysterious school of Seven Bells. The Whizmob are independent and incredibly skilled and make their own way in the world. They are everything Charlie yearns to be. But what at first seems like a relatively harmless new pastime draws him into a dangerous adventure with global stakes greater than he could have ever imagined. Um, and I don't know if I even said the title. It's called The Whiz Mob and the Grenadine Kid by Colin Malloy, art by Carson Ellis. So there's cool uh, drawings throughout of the characters um, that you can see if you look at a book preview online or search for it. show you one right now. Oops.
1: Yeah, that's really nice. Kind of like a black and white drawing with a lot of really fun detail. Yeah, they're really great. The book sounds fantastic.
0: Yeah, and it was based on, I was just reading the real-life pickpocket Apollo Robbins. Um, There's a good New Yorker article about him called The Pickpocket's Tale. And... It's kind of hard to believe that in this book, they're like so good at pickpocketing. Like they can come up to you and like take your watch from your wrist and like, oh, they didn't want it. So they return it right to your wrist or like take jewelry and they go to like fancy parties and dress up and dance and knock into people and steal their jewelry and their wallets and one person takes all the stuff. It seems like far fetched that anyone could actually... Get my watch off my wrist without me knowing. But apparently if you're good enough, it's true. I was reading about this um pickpocket Apollo Robbins. Um it said he had a meeting with Penn Gillett, the is he a magic guy?
1: I don't I don't know. Is it like the pen Penn and, and Teller? Penn and Teller? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: So and Penn was trying to get him to do a trick for him. <gasps> And he was like, oh, I don't know, I don't really do tricks. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, okay, why don't you take your ring off and trace trace it on this piece of paper with a pen. So Penn takes off his ring and then takes his pen out of his pocket, click, click, there's nothing inside. And he's like, oh, and the guy has the ink cartridge from his pen. What? Without him ever knowing, he That's stole the insane. ink cartridge and put his pen back. <laughs>
1: That's unreal without you feeling that at all. Like, I don't even know the sleight of hand. Yeah. Like, how does that even happen? And he's
0: in the sleight of hand business. So mm-hmm. you'd think he'd be more aware than the normal person. Right, and
1: yeah. On a subway
0: of, bumping into people or...
1: Because of what they do, yeah.
0: Taking a trip abroad in Europe. Wow. Like these people are in Marseille. hmm And I have a small reading. And there are some words in here. Let's take a look. There is a... Glosser in the back, so you get to learn a bunch of fun pickpocket lingo, such as.
1: I want to learn some pickpocket lingo.
0: <laughs> wiz, wiz, is a pickpocket's line of work, his way of life. Oh. Um. So they use that a lot.
1: Like, how do they use that? Like, I know the wiz. So or... they're yeah.
0: They'll be like, I'm on the wiz. <laughs> or I'm off the wiz. I'm out. Nice. Yeah, here, off the whiz, no longer a pickpocket. Nasher, flight from the scene of the crime. Oh. Pinch, steal, pickpocket. Yeah. Uh Pratt kicks. Back pockets.
1: Pratt kicks? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I keep things. Kick the
0: in- ocus back. Return the score to the victim. <laughs>
1: nice
0: it's like five pages of awesome that's a pretty pocket lingo
1: amusing glossary
0: Jerve pocket canon is a pickpocket oh. um so here is a reading from in the middle of the book they're at a party they just got in uh nice work charlie said pluto you really came through charlie smiled and said it was nothing really benefits of my upbringing i guess As if on cue, a servant appeared with a tray full of champagne glasses. Pluto gathered four of them, one for each of the pickpockets, and doled them out. Holding his glass out in front of him as if it were some holy relic, he said, to quicken the pulse and quench the nerves, the four glasses met in the center of their circle, making a melodious ting. "'To the whiz, cannons,' said Pluto. "'To the whiz,' said Jackie. "'To the whiz,' said Michiko. "'To the whiz,' said Charlie.' He waited till they'd thrown back their heads to ingest the bubbly stuff before he upturned his own glass and emptied its contents onto the grass. Say what you will about Charlie Fisher and the serial larceny he'd been accomplice to for the last several weeks. He wasn't about to go so delinquent as to drink alcohol. Besides, if he did, what librarian or bookseller would possibly order this book, let alone recommend it to a bright and studious reader such as yourself? Let's all be thankful he abstained and continue with our story. For now, the big tip was on.
1: Nice. <laughs> I love how they address the reader. So, so yeah, fun. there's a
0: bunch of interludes addressing the reader like that. Very cool. of fun. Mm-hmm. And Sounds we're like mentioned.
1: Read. Yay, the librarians! <laughs> we'll have to make sure we have that. I don't know if we own that one. So um,
0: yeah, we definitely should. Yeah,
1: it's we'll awesome. we'll make sure we'll order that one for the collection. And I, I think we have was it the Wildwood?
0: Wildwood Chronicles. I
1: feel like I've seen those on our shelves, but we'll make sure that we have his books in case you're interested in checking them out.
0: Sounds good. What do you have next for us?
1: Okay, so next, uh this is a book that I read recently. It came out in July of 2017. Um, so it's a little less than a year old. <laughs> And this is a middle school young adult novel called Refugee by Alan Gratz, And uh, it has received starred reviews from School Library Journal. And I have their review um, to read for us here. The term refugee is constantly in the news. In direct response, Gratz gets personal with desensitizing statistics, policies, and politics by giving names, families, and histories to three tweens fleeing three countries during three time periods. Each fits the refugee label, but is so much more than that single word. These faraway strangers immediately become children who deserve urgent attention. Joseph escapes Nazi Germany on the eve of World War II abroad, the ill-fated St. Louis. Isabel leaves the unrest and deprivation of Cuba's special period during the 1990s. And Mahmoud flees the bombs in 2015 that continue to destroy Syria. So that's the review or part of the review from School Library Journal. Um, but this book was so powerful. Like, it made me cry. Like, <laughs> I mean, if you're looking for a tear tricker, I guess this is the one. And oftentimes I don't usually cry at books, but I was just like bawling throughout. Wow. Almost this whole thing because it was just so powerful. And it's so sad to know that people have experienced this and that people are still experiencing this in our world today as refugees. It's just... It's incredible. Um, <clears throat> so the chapters rotate between characters and time periods, um, and on the audiobook, they have different narrators for each character, which is um, really well done. So that's kind of a fun um, <clears throat> listen for the audiobook.
0: Yeah, that's really nice when it's done done good. Right. Sometimes it's I'm a little scared when there's multiple readers because one of them might be terrible and then the other one's good and then
1: yes yes and i have found that sometimes when there's multiple readers and multiple characters i sometimes get confused i'm trying to remember who's who on the audiobook but this one is done really well um they did a really good job um it is amazing the hardships and the devastating events that these characters experience trying so hard to get somewhere safe for their family Um, And the amount of loss that they experienced, not just leaving their home, um, but how many people die along the way um, on this almost impossible journey. Um, It was incredible that Isabel and her family, um, because Isabel came from Cuba, they had to cross 90 miles of treacherous seas to reach the United States um, in this handmade boat that their neighbor made, made of scrap metal with like an old motor. And they made it, which is like a miracle. But it's just, it's it was really an incredible story. Um, and at one point, they they got off course, and then they had to make up for lost time. Um, so there was a, obviously a lot of um, <clears throat> tension there.
0: Wait, what year did you say this takes place?
1: So for Isabel, she's leaving Cuba in the 1990s. Okay. So she's leaving. Um, what's his name?
0: Fidel Castro?
1: Yes, thank you. <laughs> I'm like the dictator, the guy, yes, Castro. So they're leaving Castro's Cuba. Um, and then, so Joseph, who is leaving Germany during World War II, um, his boat, the St. Louis, reached Cuba and they were made to wait for days like off the coast to Cuba to see if they would be let in and while they watched other boats granted permission to land and people were able to get into cuba they were always told manana tomorrow 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 and eventually they were turned away they were never accepted they went up the coast of the united states and were also turned away and had to go back to europe
0: whoa so
1: that was very hard um and you and you think, like, if they go back to Europe, like, where are they going to go? And they ended up in France, which eventually ended up being taken over by Germany. So it was just oh, kind of this terrible yeah. um, cycle for Joseph and his family. Um, and then for Mahmoud, who was <clears throat> fleeing Syria in 2015... Um, you know, his family could not catch a break. Um, they traveled through Europe. And for his especially, um, it seemed like people really wanted to take advantage of the refugees from Syria that we were traveling through Europe. Um, at one point, they this is just one example of many. Um, they were sold fake life jackets from this child. And um, when they ended up really needing them... They couldn't even use them because they were fake. So when they bought them, they thought they could keep them for later. And there was a point where they had to cross a body of water and they they needed their life jackets and they
0: were fake. Fake life jackets?
1: Yes. <laughs> just to make money off of the refugees. It almost sounds
0: more expensive to make a fake life
1: jacket. It, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a weird thing. But yeah, horrible. Like that part of the story it was just terrible. Um. And there's another example. Um, They tried to trust people offering to give them a ride to Austria because that's where they were trying to get to. Um, And they had been traveling on foot for like ever. Um, But they were picked up by this one person who offered to drive them halfway or, you know, get them part of the way. Um, But they ended up um, being taken in the middle of nowhere, held at gunpoint, and then abandoned to find their own way once again. So, um the parallels between these stories are amazing and at the end i don't want to give anything away but all three of their stories are miraculously like tied together like it's this really amazing way they tie all these characters together and they are in some way all connected and it's really pretty neat how they um do that it's um yeah it's it's just an amazing book um so, if you're interested in historical fiction, um, a really powerful read, I would highly mac- recommend um, "Refugee" by Alan Gratz.
0: And that was published when?
1: It was published in July of 2017.
0: Okay. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. Yeah, and the audiobook's good, so
1: and the audiobook is like, great. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so it'll make you feel all the feels, but it really like the like the review mentioned. You know, it really brings faces and um those personal stories to all the refugees that you hear about in the news or in your history books.
0: Did you read about anything like is it all completely fictional or did it was it based on some accounts? Um
1: I I think I don't think it was based I actually I don't I don't know a hundred percent. So I, I I think it's it's fictional but based on you know, some, some fact. I'm sorry, researched. Yeah. Yeah. The different refugees
0: going different places and then made
1: an
0: amalgamation of the stories.
1: Right. Like I have heard about, you know, ships coming from Europe, going to the United States or whatever, getting turned away, going back to Europe, you know, so some, some fact is definitely in there. I'm sure probably quite a bit of fact, but the, the stories were, were fiction as far as I know.
0: Uh, I have another, science fiction book to recommend. Nice. And it it is also a recent movie, Annihilation, by Jeff Vandermeer. just came out. And the movie and book are very different, but they're both really good. It was by the director who made Ex Machina. I don't know if you saw that one. I haven't. About AI, okay. robots. Um, but it's really good. He has his own slight... Uh, spin and take on it but the book the book itself was amazing i didn't really know what i was getting into and i listened to it on an audiobook and it was one of those where it's just like every sentence is laden with tension like you want to just keep going the whole time it's just it never lets up really um i'll read about what it is here area x has been cut off from the rest of the continent for decades nature has reclaimed the last vestiges of human civilization the first expedition returned with reports of a pristine Edenic landscape all the members of the second expedition committed suicide the third expedition died in a hail of gunfire as its members turned on one another the members of the 11th expedition returned as shadows of their former selves and within months of their return all had died of aggressive cancer. This is the 12th Expedition. Their group is made up of four women, an anthropologist, a surveyor, a psychologist, the de facto leader, and our narrator, a biologist. Their mission is to map the terrain and collect specimens to record all their observations, scientific and otherwise, of their surroundings and of one another, and above all, to avoid being contaminated by Area X itself. They arrive expecting the unexpected, and Area X delivers. They discover a massive topographic anomaly and life forms that surpass understanding. But it's the surprises that came across the border with them, and the secrets of the expedition members are keeping from one another that change everything. Kirkus Reviews calls it speculative fiction at its most transfixing. So it starts off right away with them going into this area X zone mm-hmm. and exploring and that you don't even get to know their names as it was said in there. They're known by anthropo- anthropologist, surveyor, psychologist, biologist.
1: Oh, that's kind of interesting. Like, how do you know, maybe like the anthropologist talks to the biologists, <laughs> like how do they like Yeah. (laughs) How do they um, do that in the book?
0: Well, why don't I give you a reading here? Excellent. And we can see. Sounds good. Her jacket and shirt were covered in blood, but she was breathing and her eyes were open. Looking out toward the ocean as I knelt beside her, she had a gun in her left hand, left arm outstretched, and I gently took the weapon from her, tossed it to the side just in case. The psychologist did not seem to register my presence. I touched her gently on the broad shoulder, and then she screamed, lunged away, falling over as I recoiled. Annihilation, she shrieked at me, flailing in confusion. Annihilation, annihilation. The word seemed more meaningless the more she repeated it, like the cry of a bird with a broken wing. It's just me, the biologist, I said in a calm voice, even though she had rattled me. Just you she said with a wheezing chuckle as if I'd said something funny. Just you. As I propped her up again, I heard a kind of creaking groan and realized she had probably broken most of her ribs. Her left arm and shoulder felt spongy under her jacket. Dark blood was seeping out around her stomach. Beneath the hand she had instinctively pressed down on that spot. I could smell that she had pissed herself. You're still here, she said, surprise in her voice. But I killed you, didn't I? The voice of someone waking from dream or falling into dream. Not even a little bit. A rough wheeze again, and the film of confusion leaving her eyes. Did you bring water? I'm thirsty. I did. And I pressed my canteen to her mouth so she could swallow a few gulps. Drops of blood glistened on her chin. Where is the surveyor? The psychologist asked in a gasp. Back at the base camp. Wouldn't come with you? No. The wind was blowing back the curls of her hair, revealing a slashing wound on her forehead, possibly from impact, with the wall above. "'Didn't like your company?' the psychologist asked. "'Didn't like what you've become?' A chill came over me. "'I'm the same as always.' The psychologist's gaze drifted out to see again. "'I saw you, you know, coming down the trail toward the lighthouse. That's how I knew for sure you had changed.' "'What did you see?' I asked to humor her a cough accompanied by red spittle. You were a flame, she said. I had a brief vision of my brightness made manifest. You were a flame, scorching my gaze, a flame drifting across the salt flats, through the ruined village, a slow-burning flame, a will-o'-the-wisp floating across the marsh and the dunes, floating and floating, like nothing human but something free and floating. From the shift in her tone, I recognized that even now, she was trying to hypnotize me. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: That's, uh...
0: But it's it pretty intense keeps, the whole yeah. time.
1: Keeps your attention, for sure.
0: Yeah, it was really great. Um, some people... There's a review from Patrick Rothfuss, a local writer on Goodreads. Um... What did he say? He said, really good books about the Southern Reach trilogy, because this is part of a trilogy. This is book one. Very different, very atmospheric, and different than anything else I've read. I read part of this trilogy off the page and listened to some of it on audiobook. And looking back, I wish I had read the entire thing off the page. I think it would have been a better overall experience that way. Highly recommended. Um, I listened to it, and I've read some of it, and I don't know. It's good. Mm-hmm. It's good both ways.
1: Nice, yeah.
0: But yeah, Sounds you can see, you can read that and see the movie, or see the movie and read it, because um, they're they're pretty different. But I would probably recommend reading it first.
1: When did the movie come out?
0: Um, Feb- end of February.
1: Oh, so like really recently. Yeah. Okay. Wow, that's exciting. All right. So the next book that I have is actually something that I just started, and I just started the audio book. Um, so it's a young adult novel called scythe by neil schusterman and i think i'm pronouncing his name right um it was published a couple years ago in 2016 and i picked it up because i've been seeing like the book cover everywhere and so i'm like all right i gotta read this book and then i noticed that the second one in the series just came out um in january so like just in january and it's called thunderhead and it's part of the Ark of the Scythe series. So this one was very different. It was very different for me. I mean, I'm enjoying it so far, but the whole idea of what the book is about is is just very interesting. Uh, So it takes place in the year 2042. And so humans at this point have figured out everything. Like we know everything. We are even immortal because oh. there is no disease. People cannot die in car accidents. People... What year is this? This is 2042. So, how many years that's, do we have?
0: It's <laughs> pretty close. I, I know. Don't
1: know. <laughs> Not too far away, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, people cannot die in car accidents. We can cure all diseases. People can be revived. Um, so, basically, yes, humans are immortal. Um, all the world's knowledge is kept in the Thunderhead. And this is kind of funny because it is the all knowing database. So it started off as our cloud, right? Okay. So our cloud got bigger and bigger and it turned into the Thunderhead. And that is where Uh, we keep all knowledge. So we know everything. So because nobody dies anymore, in order to keep population control, um, there are people who are recruited and trained to be scythes, um, and they are commanded to perform gleanings, which is the killing of people that fit certain criteria that change with each killing.
0: <laughs> mm.
1: I mean, part of me is just like it's so like weird, but like really
0: that would be interesting. Like, at the even same worse, time. it seems like yes. to be killed in a world where you know you would never die otherwise.
1: Right. And they were talking about how there are characters who are like a hundred, but you look like you're thirty-two. You know, so you look good, but you're like a hundred, <laughs> but you're never gonna die. But you you never know if you are gonna be picked next for gleaning. So one of the examples was, is they take something from someone's life, something they may not have necessarily survived. So like if something happened and then they they kill them in that way. So there was an example where they were looking for um, someone to glean. And I don't know how they picked the criteria or what, maybe I haven't gotten to that part yet, but it was like somebody who's a really good swimmer. And then they picked this man who at some point in his life, like, saved some people from drowning. But the way it happened, like, in, like, n- a life where everybody's not immortal or whatever, he maybe, maybe wouldn't have survived that. So they they kill him by, like, drowning him. Oh.
0: <laughs> I know. it's So still. when you're in normal life. And knowing you can't die, you have to be thinking about if you do something that normally I could die from, I might might be hunted down and killed.
1: Yes. (laughs) It's true in this book. (laughs) So, okay, this is a young adult novel, right? So there are these two teens, Citra and Rowan, and they are reluctantly recruited to become sides. Um, So they are at the beginnings of their trainings. Um, in this book, and they uh, they both hate obviously hate sides, um, and they stand up to them, and you know try to defend their family and all that kind of stuff. Whereas others try to pay the size off, thinking when their time comes, the size will decide to skip them that time. Hmm. So people try to. You know at the store like offer to pay for their groceries because they they are humans who are recruited to be scythes you can know can you
0: kill a scythe
1: i don't know i don't know yet maybe i haven't gotten to that maybe that happens i don't know so there's a lot to be learned about this um but yeah so there's this particular scythe called scythe faraday and he gets to know Citroen and rowan um, because they would stand up to him and they speak up and he decides that they have what it takes to be scythes. Um, and when you are picked to be a scythe, your family is granted immunity, so no one in their family will ever be killed. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so it received a starred review from Publishers Weekly, and I have that a part of that review to read here. So in the future Earth of this grim novel, the digital cloud has transformed into the self-aware Thunderhead, whose benevolent totalitarian rule has turned the planet into a utopia. There's no poverty, no crime, and everyone is guaranteed immortality. Well, almost everyone. Schusterman's story forces readers to confront difficult ethical issues and questions is the gleaning of a few acceptable if it maximizes the happiness of all? Is it possible to live a moral life within such a system? This powerful tale is guaranteed to make readers think deeply. So the, so far, the audiobook is really good. Um, you know, I'm interested in finishing the rest of the book and finding out what the second book called Thunderhead entails
0: nice so yeah and it, did you say it's a trilogy or is this just a second book in an un- unknown
1: i think it's the second book i don't know if it's going to be a trilogy so we'll find out
0: cool sounds interesting yeah um i read a different rather than a fiction i've got one non-fiction and it's an old one so you may have read it already or seen the movie more likely. It is called Alive, the Story of the Andes Survivors by Pierce Paul Reed.
1: I have not read this one yet. It is on my to-read list. But I've read, like, um, I think Into Thin Air.
0: Oh, Into Thin Air is great. Y- yes. Anything by John Krakauer is Fantastic, amazing.
1: yeah. So this is definitely on my list because I do love reading about that kind of stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah, Krakauer's uh, Into Thin Air... Into the Wild. Yeah. Um, He just had one on Missoula Mm -hmm. about rape in uh, college campuses.
1: Oh, I did hear about that one. Yes. Mm
0: -hmm. And yeah, that's still ongoing. He just like won a court case or something about getting documents released or something. Wow. He's pretty involved in that. Yeah. He's
1: an amazing writer. Like his books are are great. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Written really well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Alive was also really good. Uh, I read the book. And I had never watched the movie, and then I watched the movie. Um, The movie is amazing. It's got Ethan Hawke in it. And, I mean, the main thing that makes the story so crazy is they they crash in the Andes, and they survive. Uh, They're going from Uruguay to Chile. They're rugby players. And they survived 72 days in the Andes.
1: Unreal.
0: Uh, At first... They crashed, and the, the tail section ripped off. Some of the people got ripped out of the plane while it's crashing. Uh, they were drinking... I've got my yerba mate gourd nice. here. Nice, yep. They were drinking yerba mate out of gourds on the plane. On
1: the plane? Yeah, uh-huh.
0: right before it crashed. <laughs>
1: the way to go. You gotta go. I got <laughs> drink your yerba mate.
0: <laughs> yeah, they didn't have many supplies. They had just bought... There was a delay, and they just had bought a bunch of wine and cigarettes and like chocolate and stuff so for most of the time when they're crashed there they start rationing some food and they have a little bit of wine they have unlimited cigarettes so they're basically just smoking all the time (laughs) so when
1: this is and maybe you said this is this like a tourist plane like a small tourist plane or these like local people or
0: uh so the rugby team chartered a plane themselves right? Okay. so it's all the rugby team and oh, their the family Okay, I think. I and everyone and some of them feel worse than others because they needed more people to come on this flight so they had to like talk people into like mm-hmm. why it would be fun to go see them or take a trip to Chile okay. and then a bunch of them ended up dying oh, so man. yeah, that's kind of brutal if this you is convince terrible. somebody like no I don't really want to go and then you convince them to go and right. the plane rips apart and they wow. fly through the mountains yeah Not the best. It's pretty bad. Um, So they get, after they realize no one's coming, they're surviving in there. It's freezing. And they come to the point where um, they decide they're going to have to start eating each other. Someone came up with the idea.
1: No. No. Do they? What? They do? Yeah.
0: (laughs) So they start cutting strips out of... People and drawing them on top of the plane so it makes kind of like a jerky ish thing. Oh, my God. oh that uh, just sounds terrible. And the movie just shows them like doing that a little bit. And then, but the book goes into expansive detail mm-hmm. about eating them. And then, as they like some of the bodies were off limits until later, like one of the guy's sisters are like, okay, we're not going to eat her unless we have to. Mm-hmm. And then when they they started running out of bodies, because like an avalanche came, some of the bodies got buried, so they started eating parts that they weren't eating before, like the lungs and the brains, and they're a little rotten, Uh and it made them taste different. Wow. Like like rotting cheese almost or something. So they actually started liking eating some of the rotten meat, Mm. because they... Got different flavors. Sure. So like they're starving. Aged. So yeah, aged human flesh. Mm, yeah. Rotten. Wow. Get a little taste variety in there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I guess when life is rough, <laughs> you know.
0: But it's fascinating. The story is fascinating of how they survive and how they survive together and arguing. Um, should they go look for the tail? Should they try to hike out? Should wow. they just stay there and keep eating? and some of them decide to they become expeditionaries and they they get more meat they get more rations so they can try to try to hike out and the book begins with um saying how they crashed and and certain day a someone saw them hiking out of the mountains and didn't know who they were and they're like we are survivors of the Andes crash and then they finally got rescued so they ended wow. up hiking out okay. two of them hiked out and a lot of them actually survived 72 days
1: that's amazing what year was the crash
0: uh october 12 1972 Wow. a plane carrying a team of young rugby players crashed into the remote snow peaked andes out of the 45 original passengers and crew only 16 made it off the mountain alive for 10 excruciating weeks, they suffered deprivations beyond imagining confronting nature head-on at its most furious and inhospitable. And to survive, they were forced to do what would have once been unthinkable. This is their story, one of the most astonishing and true adventures of the 20th century. What would you do, Jenny? When? Would you eat people?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I guess if it was down to survival and you had nothing to eat.
0: Some of them are trying to refuse. One person who died refused eating until she was basically dead. Mm -hmm. And then she took some, but it was too Mm -hmm. late. She died. Uh,
1: That would probably happen to me.
0: (laughs) I don't know. I would eat humans right away. That is
1: so tough. You would? Like, no, no, like, no, no problem.
0: Well, I have no qualms about eating a human. Okay. But I, I think my body might revolt. My taste buds are a little picky. I might gag on raw flesh, on raw anything.
1: I feel like your body would reject it. At I mean, least it'd initially. be hard
0: if you were trying to survive in the woods, and you had nothing to cook anything. Right. And you just came upon like a deer carcass. It's normal to eat deer, but what if you have to just eat it raw?
1: And what if it's like, like old and aged and
0: yeah, nasty moldy deer, and wormy. moldy raw deer? Ugh.
1: Ew. Yeah, there's some animals that won't even touch that stuff. You know,
0: (laughs) not even a raccoon. It's like,
1: oh, meat is too bad. Like, no, I can't eat that. Wow, pretty, pretty incredible though that they survived.
0: It's fascinating. There's alive, and there's a couple of books by some of the survivors Mm -hmm. uh, where they wrote books after. There's the movie, and there's a documentary um, that has interviews with them, Mm -hmm. and I kind of just got hooked into all of it for yeah. like a month or two just reading it's about all this
1: fascinating and
0: then i had to ride in a small plane not too long ago <laughs> a single right prop plane <laughs> i was worried that it would come to thank goodness it would come it to this but it didn't i yeah. made it back safely yay
1: you know my husband is taking a trip up to canada and doing a fishing trip up there and he's t- also doing the small plane thing they had to Ooh. fly into the lake area that they're going to be fishing in
0: so, yeah he has a much better chance of having to eat people than. he's
1: I like i better take a hatchet because that's all he thinks of is the book hatchet gary paulson yeah. <laughs> yes
0: survival
1: you need your hatchet
0: ring hatchet some matches
1: hmm yeah there you go all right so <clears throat> my last book and this is just a brief mention this is something that is on my list of two reads to be read Another young adult novel, of course. This one just came out like this a month. Very, very new. And it is called Hamilton and Peggy, A Revolutionary Friendship. So as we know, Hamilton, the Broadway musical, Mm -hmm. is about the life of American founding father, Alexander Hamilton, inspired by the biography written by Ron Chernow. Uh, there have been several Hamilton biographies for children and teens um, that have come out recently, but this is um, kind of the first young adult novel Hamilton-themed that has come out um, to tie in with the whole Hamilton craze. It's received a lot of great reviews stating that Peggy is strong and an appealing protagonist, and I have the Kirkus review to read Um That will tell you a little bit more about the book. The story of Alexander Hamilton's romance with Eliza Schuller as seen through the eyes of her younger sister, Peggy. Set during the American Revolution, the tale offers the adventure of war, the the family dynamic of sisterhood, and the drama of young love. Peggy Shuler is a spirited young woman who feels overlooked in her large family as her two older sisters attract attention and suitors. This feeling only grows when Alexander Hamilton seeks her help in his efforts to woo her sister Eliza. In her relationships with her sisters, Peggy is supportive of the steadfast Eliza and occasionally exasperated by the more worldly Angelica. She carries out an amazing act of courage when British loyalists storm their home looking for her father. While Elliot was inspired by Lin-Manuel Miranda's musical Hamilton and the author is LM Elliot. Her story is based on independent research, and her afterword is as readable as the novel itself. Like many historical novels for teens, the language is modern and the narrative is fast-paced. So the demand for stories about the world of Ag- Alexander Helm- Hamilton shows no sign of letting up um, in this entry ably feeds the need. So if you are a Hamilton fan... Or if you know any teens who are Hamilton fans, um, add this to your reading list. And the whole Hamilton craze is really interesting because, um, you know, it hasn't really reached our area. You have to go to, like, Chicago mm-hmm. or Minneapolis. Um, but I know uh, several of the teens that I work with, like, absolutely love it. Like, they've listened to the whole, like, soundtrack of the musical and they have the words memorized. So, even without having seen like the musical, it is catching on with people of all ages. Mm. So pretty fun. So um, you can check out Hamilton and Peggy.
0: I should probably check out some Hamilton stuff. I have uh, not done any Hamilton things. Yes. And I'm sure I learned about Hamilton in high school Mm -hmm. and whatnot, but yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know what it would be about.
1: (laughs) <laughs> I haven't really done much either um you know and i have friends who have seen it and are really into it and for me i almost have to see the musical first to really get in to the story sometimes or get into the music like i could listen to the soundtrack right now and be like oh that's awesome but like i want to see the actual performance and the actual musical and then i'll feel maybe that connection so
0: yeah definitely
1: yeah but pretty fun
0: and I also have one quick one to recommend. It is nonfiction. It is called The Internet of Money by Andreas M. Antonopoulos. Uh, and it describes something that is of interest to me and is getting more popular. So I feel like it's something you might want to know a little bit about. It's uh, about uh, Bitcoin and blockchain so he kind of it's a transcription of some of his live lectures so you could also go on youtube and he has some good lectures there i listened to the audiobook but this gives you a little bit a little explanation of what's going on with this technology and how it relates to other new technology booms like the internet or like email when people didn't know if we'd be able to send messages and then and they would try to attach files or pictures, and are like, that's gonna break the internet, like, there's not gonna be enough bandwidth, or you don't have enough bandwidth to send voice over the internet, and then it turns out, yeah, you can, you can stream 4K videos over the internet now, which in the early 90s, they would have thought be impossible and would completely destroy it. Uh, it says, while many books explain the how of Bitcoin, the internet of money delves into the why of Bitcoin. Acclaimed information security expert and author of Mastering Bitcoin, Andreas M. Antelopoulos, examines and contextualizes the significance of Bitcoin through a series of essays spanning the exhilarating maturation of this technology. Bitcoin, a technological breakthrough quietly introduced to the world in 2008, is transforming much more than finance. Bitcoin is disrupting and antiquated (laughs) in, <laughs>
1: antiquated? <laughs> antiquated.
0: Bitcoin is disrupting antiquated industries to bring financial independence to billions worldwide. In this book, Andreas explains why Bitcoin is a financial and technological evolution with potential far exceeding the label digital currency. Andreas goes beyond exploring the technical functioning of the Bitcoin network by illuminating Bitcoin's philosophical, social, and historical implications. As the internet, has essentially transformed how people around the world interact and has permanently impacted our lives in ways we never could have imagined. Bitcoin, the internet of money, is fundamentally changing our approach to solving social, political, and economic problems through decentralized technology. So it's a really interesting read to get kind of a grasp of why this might be important, even if you don't want to use Bitcoin to pay for things, and why it might be important in the future, why companies are talking about blockchain or developing their own form of bitcoin like a coins or tokens and how that might play in the future and it's going to be talked about a lot i think probably going forward so it's a something something cool to know
1: yeah sounds really interesting definitely really relevant i think it's gonna grow in popularity for sure
0: all right well thanks for listening to this month's Library and book reviews and we will this one is a little late but we'll be back later this month to recommend some more books for may
1: all right thanks everybody
0: thanks for tuning into the podcast we hope you use this information to strike up a local conversation we believe in the power of community and story here at the library and we have plenty of stories in book, ebook, CD, DVD, and magazine form. Check us out at macmillanlibrary.org to see upcoming events, including concerts, speakers, movies, and more. We also have free online classes through Gale courses, as well as a host of databases for your research needs. If you can't find what you're looking for, stop in at the information desk. The Macmillan Conversation Maker podcast can be found at macmillanlibrary.org/podcast.
1: Sit with me now. Biblionas